Back into the Kintech studio. It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shop. We've got uh, producers Vic and Josh with us today. This hour of Canuck Central brought to you by Brevo. Provides, Brevo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry. Go to lp.brevo.com slash Canada for a smart demonstration. So uh, the other day, Sat used the term 3D chess. And uh, Josh interrupted the conversation to correct Satyar and say, I believe the term you are trying to use or reference is 4D chess. And thus, a discussion has ensued over the last two days. Sat is adamant 3D chess is correct. And the rest of us here on Canuck Central are questioning it, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, the uneducated questioning the educated is what I say. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, too. <laughs> um, the so, uneducated. You're, you're not up on the slang of uh, the current kids. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not up to the slang, but there is such a thing as 3D chess. Yes, and that's, I, that's I, just I use, chess. It's regular so. chess. I play. No, it. Re- regular regular chess is two dimensional. Okay. Yes. Not the like pieces. Two, the so game convinced. itself is the ga- game itself is two dimensional, Josh. Because it's flat. Because yes. it's flat. It's a two dimensional game. But the pieces game. are 3D. It's three dimensional. I can it's, feel it. You can feel the piece, yes. It doesn't mean the game is three-dimensional. <laughs> so, uh, the chessboard is two-dimensional. Helmet came in on uh, on Twitter with this uh, thought. Sat is correct. It's 3D chess. Normal chess is 2D. Forward, back, left, right. 3D mm-hmm. adds up and down to the game. No such thing as 4D chess yet. Here's the thing. <laughs> I'm not saying, like, when we're talking about, like, hey, that... Regular chess is 2D chess or 3D chess or whatever. Yeah. But I'm just saying this, that the term that people use is 4D chess. So the Urban Dictionary term would yes. be 4D chess. Which, by the way, the Urban Dictionary term, the definition for 4D chess is the act of playing a stratagem moves ahead in such a multi-layered, brain-sparkingly sophisticated process. Which I assume is what Sat was mentioning when he's talking about, like, hey, the team making moves – being like multi-layered and uh, being moves ahead, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's 4D uh, chess. The Urban Dictionary, because <laughs> since you want to use the Urban Dictionary definition for 3D chess is when you outsmart to completely play someone. I feel like maybe Urban Dictionary is is, is our issue here because <laughs> they're saying the same thing. So uh, people are texting in. Uh, people yeah. want to text them box. They're like. 3D sounds right. Sat is right. It is 3D chess. There is a term as 4D chess, correct? But you can use both. And the way Josh came in trying to pretend like he knew better and I was wrong was just wrong. Sat was like, and I took that person. I was fine with it. Sat with full MJ on it. I I didn't care. I was like, he said it with such conviction. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time I've uttered something that's nonsense before, right? I mean, my partner says that to me all the time, always correcting me. So, I mean, it's nothing new in that regard. However, um, (laughs) I had people messaging me and be like, no, you're right. So I looked into it. I'm like, yeah. Okay. So is this something that I'll, I'll use a sat term here. Two things can be true at the same time. It seems that way. 3D chess is also a heightened level of 
strategy that allows you to best your opponent. And then 4D chess, which has become the term for the kids, is like another level on top of 3D chess. You're streets ahead. So you're just like miles ahead of everybody yeah. else. You're Bill Belichick in the 2000s of the NFL. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, this one here is, if you can jump, doesn't that make it 3D? Yeah, but you can't jump. Like, it's the, the board doesn't have a – doesn't it's not raised. It's a flat board. Yeah. And Daniel and Campbell, oh, man, Seth has to put you both to bed here. Life is 3D. Chess is 2D. <laughs> All right, with that, it's time for the mailbag. Hit the music, Vic. Uh, mailbag Friday here on Canuck Central. First of uh, 2024. Lots of comments about 3D chess. Austin and Langley, whether it's 3D or 4D, Canucks who use both. For how long have we been saying they need to upgrade the blue line? <laughs> Hey, you know what? Uh, I saw a fancy chart today that was like grading defensemen, and no Canucks were in the bad end. So that's that's got to be good, right? For the game, the game <laughs> itself, or like in general, like the season on for like the season. Yeah, I mean, fair. Like, has anybody been um, on the defense? Let me put a question to people: Has anybody on the current blue line been objectively bad start to finish? No, no, no. Like most of them were average. Yeah, you know. And then there's like Quinn Hughes. And Hronik as well, having a, a strong season. But, like, hey, average is a lot better than what the Canucks have gotten out of defensemen in the last number of years. So they've upgraded it, finally. Facts only. Uh, all right, let's get to some questions. This one from Danielson. How impressive has Lekaramaki been at the World Juniors, and has it changed your opinion on his ceiling? No, I don't think so. I think it hasn't changed my opinion on his ceiling because he played so well to start this, the year in the SHL. And you always have to remember it. The, the World Juniors is, is a small tournament. I mean, some positives when he does really well, of course, against his peers. I don't think it changes the ceiling. He's always had a ceiling of being a high-level goal scorer. He was a 15th overall pick. Like, it's not like we're talking about a guy who was drafted outside the first round and is just showing some uh, next-level talent. So... I think last year people got a little too down on Lekaramaki and following a World Junior Championship where he ends up being the MVP, I think you have to caution on, you know, starting to think that this guy might be, you know, a guy who could maybe win a future Rocket Richard trophy or something uh, to that effect. I think he's, he's, like, he's trending towards being a good NHL player, a guy that can score, but there's still... There's still a lot there that needs to adjust to the North American style of game. Like even this World Juniors, you know, you're playing on international ice. And you, you look at the goal that he scored today, and he scored a couple from this spot on the on the power play through through the tournament, but he's like way up high in the zone, above the circles, and ripping a one-timer. He's got a ton of space because there's more space to defend on the international ice. And his shot is so good for the level that it's ending up in the back of the net. You get into NHL ice, there's not as much space. Guys are closing that down a lot faster. Goalies are better. You're not scoring as far out as often as, as he might be right now. So, like, not to say that he's not going to score, but, like, you know, these are adjustments that are going to have to be made as he adjusts to North American ice when he does come over and start playing with the Abbotsford Canucks. 
Next one comes from Ray. Uh, we got to see him last night, so would you trade for Pavel Buchnevich? Yes. I was surprised he was on closing out the lead at the end of the game for the Blues. He's he's a good player. He's dependable. Like he's yeah. not, you know, he's, you know, somebody was disputing uh, with us on the post game show about he's a really good four checker. He's a really good two way guy. Like he can four check. He can do those things. He, what I was wondering was about like what role would they want him to play on the team? What would they want out of him? But he can certainly fit playing alongside Patterson. He can certainly fit playing alongside J T. Miller. Even um, he's not the perfect player, but he's a high end dependable guy who can play in every situation and that's kind of what the Canucks need on the wing isn't it yeah it's uh it's definitely something that they could use and the salaries don't quite match up but you know could you use Andre Kuzmenko in a deal like that I think you know as as we get closer and closer to the deadline and the speculation around Kuzmenko continues to build He's got to be a bit of a like he's got to be a bit of a make weight in a trade if if you're going to to make something work it feels like especially if you're going after a higher end player I don't know if Buchnevich is necessarily that guy but you know that's kind of the way things are trending and with the way you have to sort of match up salaries NBA esque wise to to make things work with everybody so up against the salary cap I think that's Kind of where we're trending. It's it's probably not going to be as simple as you trading Kuzmenko away uh, and getting the cap off the books and then being able to go out and acquire something else in the way that you did with Nikita Zadorov uh, and, and Anthony Beauvillier. I think it's it's going to have to be maybe something that's in the same trade when it comes to Andre Kuzmenko. Next, yeah, that's, just yeah, real go quickly. Yeah, that's a great point. That's kind of how I see it. I don't. See, it's hard for to move Kuzmenko straight up right now, especially to get the cap space off, but. If it's part of a bigger deal, that's how it could make some sense. All right, this one from Andrew. With Noah Juleson's emergence as one of the team's best penalty, penalty killers and has stable defensive play, is it possible that reopens the conversation around moving out Tyler Myers, especially if the need is now to find a forward? So I only move out Myers if he can replace Myers. Like, I don't think, like, like to me, Noah Juleson's been a great story, but how great is it to have a guy who can be number seven that can, you know, give you some spot duty and feel okay about it? I don't know how I feel about him being your everyday third-pairing defenseman. You want more depth, not less. I'm all for trading Myers, though. Just make sure you find another right defenseman to come in. I, I would be wary of moving one out and then just saying, like, here are our six because... Like, the Canucks have had pretty favorable injury luck so far this season, right? All you've done is you miss Susie for some time. You miss Bluger for a little bit, Suter for a little bit. They haven't had and haven't racked up a ton of injuries. But, you know, Juleson blocked a shot last night, and he was hobbled. And we know how quickly, you know, a couple of guys can, can go down. And all of a sudden, you know, you're you're having to call up people from Abbotsford to, to fill in spots on the NHL-level defense and – you know, that can be a tricky scenario. So I think you're happy with having seven right now that you can somewhat trust if you have to because injuries are eventually going to, to come. So I'd be very careful about trading anybody out without acquiring anybody on the back end. Canucks would have to play some 4D chess if they were going to play. Yes. Cool. I mean, can you – I mean, something we've talked about before, I don't like giving up uh, assets for – um, Chris Tanev, 
Yeah. But would I be okay with them uh, moving assets around to get Chris Tanev? Where you're moving Myers, moving somebody else, and then that gives you what you need to go out and get somebody like that. That's uh, more an avenue I can I can get behind because, yeah, trading um, a third or a second round pick to get. Oh, I mean, the Flames are going to want quite a bit for Chris Tanev. Mm-hmm. So uh, whatever it's going to cost to get Chris Tanev, uh, I'd prefer it's not just coming from whatever what few assets the Canucks have, future wise right now to uh, to acquire a rental player this one from chris are saturday and monday's matchup against new jersey and the rangers the biggest test of the season so far for the canucks being as they've lost both of the first games against those two teams and the devil and devils and rangers are top seeded teams in the east and also potentially stanley cup finals well the devils are not top seeded yeah i was I, I, yeah we're going to fact-check Chris here for, for a moment. <laughs> got a lot of hype, though. Sorry, yeah. Chris. Uh, don't mean to call you out on this, but, you know, you send the text. You might want to look at uh, the standings. Oh, wow. Before sure. you, I probably you also could have just, like, cut that part out. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> Josh not even screening these things, saving the listeners I mean, I was this. like, fine. I'll just throw it in there. I mean, and then Reese just burying. He was like, Yo, why don't you get your facts right before you text in a question? <laughs> We're not even going to answer it. Never mind. <laughs> Uh, Devils are definitely not a top seed right now. They are uh, on the outside of the playoff picture, looking in as it currently stands, and um, they have a better win percentage than Tampa and Philly. I get it, yeah. right? Like you know, technically, but they're not. They're not a top seed. That's that, that's all. I, I'm sorry, yeah. Chris. I didn't mean to be so so harsh, but I was. So, is it the biggest test though? I would say no. Like New Jersey is. Uh, I'm watching them play Chicago right now on Sportsnet, and uh, they're down one nothing at the end of the first period. So they're going to be on the second half of a back-to-back. They're not traveling, but still second half of a back-to-back for them with the Canucks resting, practicing today in, in New Jersey. So I don't think it is the biggest test of the season so far for the Canucks. They've had several. Um, I think this entire trip is an interesting test for the Canucks and one that they've got to have some level of success on and losing last night to St. Louis makes that a little bit more difficult because I'm I'm having the growing feeling that finishing first in the Pacific is like, it has huge value to the Canucks and I think it would have big value to Vegas and LA as well. But you know, finishing first and potentially facing the second wildcard team, which I don't think will be Edmonton, so we're talking like Seattle, Arizona, Nashville. I think that that has a huge value to finishing first in the Pacific and potentially first in the Western Conference. Yeah, so I I think it's massive for them to finish first. I agree. Like this whole notion of maybe it's better they're, they're a wild card team and have an easier path in the playoffs. To me, that's too much loser mentality thinking, and it's more about like you take care of control and and. Take care of what you can control during a regular season. Get as many points as you can and go from there. And if you're good enough, you'll beat the good teams. Um, it's a good test. I'm with you, though. The biggest test for this team are the Western Conference foes they have to face. And that's coming up a bit later in the season with LA and Vegas specifically. Next one comes from uh, Brad. Has anyone outright asked about the long-term plan for Andre Kuzmenko what does he need to do to keep a scoring touch in the lineup and what he hasn't been doing that clearly outweighs that in Tockett, in Tockett's mind? So it's not so much about his scoring touch and 
you know, when Rick Tockett has been asked about what he wants to see from Kuzmenko, it's, I want to see him on the forecheck. I want to see him forecheck harder. You know, when you are in a situation where your read has to be, I'm F1, I've got to get in there and win that puck, you've got to be that guy. You can't pick and choose when it's your turn to be F1 in a game situation. You have to make that read, and you've got to execute your job in that moment. And I think that's something Andre Kuzmenko hasn't done enough of. It's the shift length that's been a problem for Rick Tockett at different points as well. So it's it's not so much about the scoring. If he wasn't scoring and he was executing his job and you know uh, not missing on some of the non-negotiables, the staples of the team, I, I think he'd probably not have as many healthy scratches as he's had so far. That's not to say that he doesn't need to produce, like he certainly does, especially playing up the lineup. But I'm more inclined to agree with you that if his production was the same it is today, but he was doing everything the coach wanted, he wouldn't be healthy scratched. Yeah. You know, maybe he's moving around the lineup, but he's not being yeah. healthy scratched for a fifth time in 38 games. Gary, will we see Pot Colson in the lineup this season? Ooh, I'll say yeah. I say yes after the deadline uh, because I'm sure there'll be some injuries. They'll need some call-ups, and he's had some experience. So I'll say yes, but I'm not expecting him to stick. It, it might be one of those things of, hey, we're rewarding you for all the work you've put in this year. Um, here's a, a look back at the NHL, and we expect you to be a big part of the team for training camp and next season. But I'm like Jim Rutherford has pretty much said it, you know, like they they really want Pod Colson to own his time in the AHL right now, really build back his confidence, and they'll go from there with his development after that. Uh, we'll end with this one from uh, Basketball Phil. It is the Washington Huskies and Michigan Wolverines. Who do you have in? The championship game on Monday. Oh, go how Huskies. do we not go U Dub? Yeah, go Huskies. Go Huskies. Yeah. Um, I mean, Michigan's been really good. Yes. They're uh, are they favored? I would think so. I believe yeah. so. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I'll say U Dub. They've been surprising. Um, they've been their quarterback's been fantastic. They got a lot of talent on that team. I, I'll say U Dub. Yeah, U Dub for me. Uh, not picking against them. Michael Penix has been unreal. And uh, absolutely going for UW on Monday. I hope uh, Phoenix is wearing a different purple jersey next year. <laughs> oh, is that what you hope, Josh? Vikings need a quarterback. Yeah, do they? And they won't be getting uh, one of the top ones. So hopefully you don't think Jaron Hall's got a future with the Minnesota Vikings? You know what? I did for a moment, and then <laughs> that moment was quickly, quickly gone. You know, uh, Joe Flacco might be looking for a job next year. Well... Hopefully that's not Minnesota. I'm I'm all in on the hype though. I hope he gets a Super Bowl and just like rides off into the sunset. Yeah, that would be uh, pretty wild. Sat would be, man, if the Browns won the Super Bowl, uh, Sat would be beside himself. Yeah. So the Super Bowl is coming up. Uh, what is it? The 11th, Feb yeah. 11. Is it that and, soon? Uh, yeah, it's coming up in a hurry. And the Canucks have a game that morning, 10:30 game, mm -hmm. right? Against the Capitals, right? Yeah. Um, if the Browns win a Super Bowl. You may not see me until the next Canucks game, <laughs> <laughs> which might be like September, like February 13th. But anyways, yes. you, you might not see him for a day. <laughs>
<laughs> you Joe might Flacco take one is, day off. Yeah, Joe Flacco is going to make it through the AFC playoffs against uh, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Would you have you uh, not seen how those guys have been playing this year? <laughs> if you uh, if Joe Flacco like was dominant and led the Browns to a Super Bowl, would you want them to bring him back, or would you be like, hey, right off into the sunset, buddy? You did it. Uh, probably right off into the sunset. Yeah. I mean, they're they're stuck with uh, Deshaun and, and the contract yeah. they have with like they can't you know they can't do anything with it, right? No, I think it's it's really just for this year. Uh, it's been a great story. It's been an absolutely fantastic story. Feels like a, as to bring it back to the Vikings, it's uh, feels like Case Keenum, but <laughs> better. He with could be out Demar Hamlin for comeback player of the year, which is wild considering the Demar Hamlin story, but. There's a a legitimate contender in that conversation now. Uh, Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. It is uh, Canuck Central coming up. Yannick Hansen will join us here on Sportsnet 650.